Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. I'm Mary Earps. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Happy Monday, you lovely lot. How are you all doing? Got us studio today which is very exciting West Ham defender Kate Longhurst is with us it's been a while Kate how are you doing it has I'm good thank you don't want to talk to you about yesterday but I'm gonna to have to talk to you about yesterday how are you feeling um yeah I mean it's it's the luck of the draw isn't it when it goes to penalties so sometimes you win them sometimes you lose them well very philosophical we'll, we'll delve <laughs> yeah. into it later on uh, football writer Molly Hudson from the Times how you doing Molly? Hello, I'm a little bit jealous that my game yesterday didn't have any penalty shootout drama. Where were you? Chelsea Arsenal. Of course. Obviously. Obviously, and that's where we're starting. Chelsea 2, Arsenal 0. The first of two cup games in eight days between Chelsea and Arsenal. And it ended with Emma Hayes' side progressing to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup as they eye up the quadruple. End-to-end stuff this game. Sam Kerr's goal in the first half. And Sophie Ingalls in the second sealed a clinical win. And after the game, Emma Hayes was full of praise for her striker, Sam Kerr, as she believes she's the best in the business. Some players get off of a plane at Thursday night. They come in on Friday and they moan. I'm tired. Not her. Some say, yeah, oh, well, I need this, I need more. Not her. She comes in. She does everything necessary and possible and lifts the spirit of the building. She does that when no one's looking. She does it while she's only a real out and out nine available. This isn't just about what, listen, I think she's the best in the business, but the best in the business for me isn't just about 81 goals or 82 goals in a hundred games. It's that mentality. And that's today why we are winners because the mentality displayed by the team in, I think, challenging circumstances for both sides we dealt with that better today. It was a little bit of um, toing and froing as to how many goals Sam Kerr had actually <laughs> scored and uh, the uh, Chelsea press office decided to clarify it is definitely 81. And as a defender, Kate, is she the best in the business that you've had to face? Uh, her movement is incredible in the box. I think she's just... Uh, when I looked at her before she came to the league, I thought she's quick and she can score goals, but there's so much more to her game that people don't see, um, which probably are being able to see now but her movement you think you've got her you think you're marking her and then all of a sudden it's just one step and she's lost you and she wins the ball and um, 
you know, when she first came, I think there was a lot of talk about her missing a lot of chances. Mm. And for me, if I'm on her team, as long as she's creating chances, you know it's going to come. I think she's now a lot more clinical. She's been taking her chances. And you look at those stats, it's just ridiculous, really. It really is. And we've watched her at close quarters, not playing against her, Molly, because quite frankly, neither of us are, uh, are athletes, are we, in terms of footballers. But she just has something about her that draws your eye whenever you're watching a match, no matter what she's doing, whether she's got the ball or not. I always think back to when, when Chelsea signed Sam Kerr and as Kate says, there was a, a a bit of sort of controversy, I guess, at the start about, you know, whether she whether she could do it in the Women's Super League. And I remember Emma Hayes saying that she wasn't in the slightest bit concerned because when she looks at players for Chelsea, she looks at their personality and what they bring to the team as well. And she knew that Sam Kerr was such a fantastic person that she'd settle into the dressing room really well. And I think that really helped her in that difficult spell when she was settling in. She was still creating the chances, couldn't quite find the net. And look, now she really does look like the perfect fit for Chelsea. Perfect fit for Chelsea, but also a real threat for Australia coming into the World Cup. We've got the Matildas, England have. We'll talk about that later on. One of the two matches in the April camp and could potentially meet Australia in the last 16. And it's a player like Sam Kerr who could then go on and uh, and upset all of Serena Wiegmann's plans, Kate. Yeah, I mean, you don't really want to be playing the best players if you can, but when you come World to the World Cup, that's what happens and... Um, you know, she's fantastic for them, fantastic for Chelsea. She would definitely cause England problems. But the good thing with the English players, they know how she plays. It's just whether they can contain her and, and whether Australia actually create enough chances for her to, to score goals. And Arsenal, when you look on paper, have some of the best players in the world uh, playing for them. But they paid for a lack of killer instinct up front yet again this season. 20 shots, 11 on target. No goals. Uh, let's hear what Arsenal boss Jonas Eideval made of the game. He's focused on this result not being repeated in the Conti Cup final this Sunday. That's very important that that's different in, into our favour. But that would be a total different game in saying uh, both we were missing some players, they were missing some players today. So and we only had one practice session going into this game they had the same you could see that also with some parts of the of the game next week is totally different they have a whole week of working we have a whole week of working so now it's uh, that's going to be something else yeah it is going to be something else but uh, this is what else he had to say they're brutally efficient hats off to them for that we are not. Um, Jonas mentioned the final, a record 20,000 tickets sold so far. The first domestic honour of the season up for grabs this weekend. It's going to be on Sunday here on Talk Sport. We'll have live commentary of the Conti Cup final between Chelsea and Arsenal at Selhurst Park. Build-ups from two at kick-off at 3pm. Um, and they're going to have to be more clinical, Molly, than they were this weekend and that they have been since they lost Beth Mead and Viv Miedemar. Yeah, I think Ian Wright, who we know we love a lot and speaks a lot of sense on Twitter, um, he said, I think it's about time we stop mentioning Beth Mead and Vivian Miedemar because they did have a January transfer window to try and fix that issue, to bring somebody in. Obviously, very public, elongated kind of bid to try and get Alessia Russo. That didn't happen. But more importantly, arguably, they didn't get anyone else in. And I think when, when you are so publicly mentioned that you need a striker. What does that do for the confidence of the striker at the club? And it's pretty clear to see that Stephen Blackstenius at the moment, I have to say, her all-round play yesterday was actually fantastic. She got into some great positions, 
but she just can't find the net at the moment. And that's what you really need. It's what Sam Kerr has, what she did yesterday, is to score the goal in that big moment. Yeah, big moments. And sorry to bring it up, Kate, but Chelsea obviously <laughs> knocked West Ham out in the semis. Seven nils, four goals from Sam Kerr. How do you see this one going? Yeah, that obviously wasn't a great day for us, but I think on that day, Chelsea was so clinical, but played such good attacking football. Um, I think they've got the mentality shift on Arsenal. I think they've got the upper hand. It's been a while since Arsenal can really compete with them properly um, in terms of really troubling them. I think Emma Hayes knows she's got a group of players that can turn up on big occasions and Arsenal maybe haven't got that experience in terms of the squad that they've got at this moment in time. And like Molly said, Black Stenius's confidence looks so low at the moment and as a striker, that's probably the biggest area you need confidence because once you score one, it tends to keep happening for you and at the moment, it's just not happening for her. But like say, when you're trying to look for another striker coming in, what does that say to you? Mm. Am I not good enough? Am I not worthy of a place here? Um, I, I can only see Chelsea winning it, if I'm honest, but Arsenal do have the players that... If they can put on one fantastic performance, they can cause Chelsea problems. So I hope it's an open game and I hope it's a close game. Well done for not storming out of the uh, studio like you said you would do <laughs> if I brought up that score, by the way. Pulled it's to you. Um, Jonas Seidevel has a week to prepare, as he, as he said, uh, Molly. But does it feel more of a mental battle than a tactical battle he's going to have with his players? You mentioned Blackstinius there, but obviously the whole team just aren't really... They're creating the chances, but just not clinical in the in the final third. And I think it's it's almost a, a wider problem than just Jonas Eidevall's Arsenal because if you look back, I think it's 2018-19 under Joe Montemoro, they actually lifted their last trophy, which is crazy for a, a club of Arsenal size. And really the investment that they've put in as well, they've, they've put a lot of lot of money in there to, to try and get um, some silverware back to the club. So I think this really does feel like a moment where if they lose this game, suddenly their whole season has taken on such a kind of negative like feeling. It was all mm. going so well. And then, you, as we know, with the Women's Super League, when you're in all of these competitions as well, it's only a couple of games and then suddenly you're you're trying to chase Champions League football. So I think they'll, they'll be desperate to get something out of this game. I think the one good thing is that they do they do have a good squad there. And I guess when it's a cup final, when it's a one-off game there's always a chance you can pull off something that your opponent isn't expecting. And at least in this case, they have a whole week to work on it rather than, and I must say this, the really poor international scheduling that meant Sam Kerr got off a flight from Australia, having played three games for Australia on Friday Crazy. and then has to play in a game on Sunday. Listen, we're going to talk governance later on in the show, actually. And it's something that I'm sure that those involved in the future of women's football are going to be looking at because the calendar definitely needs looking at. But Chelsea were runners up to Manchester City last season. They've just not been the Chelsea we recognise necessarily this season, Kate. However, they've managed to win even by not playing their best. And I'm sure they're going to be desperate to claim the, the League Cup back. So they, they, they must be favourites. And, and Emma Hayes knows how to win a trophy, doesn't she? Yeah, I think sometimes that's the best way to be, though. You take not playing at 100% and actually winning games and, and winning trophies. Um, Lauren James is in the form of her life. I think she's untouchable at the moment. And, and she knows that and she's playing with that confidence and the other players know that. But the only problem is if you double up on Lauren James... They've then got Guru Wrighton, you know, they've got Sam Kurt. You've got other players to worry about. They've just got so many attacking threats. Um, but Emma Hayes knows how to get the job done. And I think 
that experience will help them. It's going to be a fascinating final. I feel like we've seen these two lock horns on so many occasions already this season. But join us on TalkSport 2 uh, next Sunday. It'll be myself. Uh, we build up from 2 o'clock. Kick off at 3. Joe Shannon and former England striker Leanne Sanderson are your commentary team for that. This is uh, Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Next, we'll go through the rest of the weekend's FA Cup action. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. TalkSport 2's dedicated women's football show. And it was a moment of pure quality. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. Shot comes in and it falls really nicely to Aksa Mushak who makes it six. Lewis, history makers, progress to the quarterfinals for the first time in their club history. Options in the box. Still Hodgson, might just do it herself here. It's Ashley Hodgson for Birmingham City, who lead in extra time and might just have put themselves into the quarterfinals of the FA Cup for a fourth straight season. What a moment for Ashley Hodgson. Falls nicely to leap. That is the pick of the goals and that is Brighton 5-0 up and through to the quarterfinals. What a strike to end the game. Sam Kerr, the prolific Sam Kerr, sent through, just clipped the ball over the uh, Arsenal goalkeeper, Zinsberg, to make it 2-0. And Mackenzie Arnold score like Hampton did. No, she can't. It's wide. Aston Villa are through. They win 7-6 on penalties. Substitute Lauren Wade steps up, takes the penalty, and Reading, the perfect penalty shootout, five in a row. The Royals are through to the next round into the quarterfinals. Curled in and the header from Russell goes in. How about that for an immediate impact? Only on the pitch a matter of minutes. McAloon beaten again, piling forward yet again here. It's Shaw. It's Shaw who has four. A 21st in all competitions this season. She just can't stop scoring. Wow, some cracking goals across the weekend. 31 in total. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Faker Others, Times football writer Molly Hudson as well and West Ham defender Kate Longhurst with you uh, this evening. Some cracking goals, as I said. We're awaiting the quarter-final draw, which is being made live on The One Show. If you're listening on the podcast on Tuesday, you'll know already. And if you're listening live, we will bring you those last eight ties very, very shortly. Let's start, though, uh, with you, Kate. I'm really sorry again, and uh, <laughs> please don't storm out of the studio. You didn't in the first half. Please don't do it now. West Ham won, Aston Villa won. Uh, Villa, 7-6 uh, winners on penalties in the end. Rachel Daly on the score sheet, and then Dagny Brinnestortier levelling in second half stoppage time to take it to extra time. And then in penalties, it was a tale of two keepers. Hannah Hampton scoring the decisive one with uh, Mackenzie Arnold putting hers over the bar. Um, what happened? Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a tough game. We knew Aston Villa would be a tough game anyway. Um, but we defended quite well. I thought they had probably a bit more of the ball, but didn't really do much with it. Um, and for us, it was sort of just staying in the game and making sure that we try and get through to extra time. When, you, when you've got like five minutes on the clock, you're thinking, please just get a goal and hopefully we can take it to extra time. And you take penalties at that at that point, but um, yeah, we we obviously scored in I think it was like the ninety first minute or something, um, and then it was pretty even the the extra time. But 
as I said before, penalties is just luck of the draw and unfortunately we were on the wrong end of it. Brenna's dot here loves the late goal, doesn't she? She does. Early goal or late goal, that's it. Nothing yeah, in between. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what I was saying early on in the season, we've not we've not had you on since then. The amount of clubs that just didn't pick her up from corners, it's like, what are you doing? She scores every goal route one like that. Why yeah. are you not picking her up? Um but Mackenzie Arnold, how was she feeling? Because it's it's awful when it ends up on one player and it it, it shouldn't be, all be blamed on one player but as the player whose fault in inverted commas it is you know you take all of that really to heart is she all right no she's she's fine um but i think you know that could be any of us and that's unfortunately the the situation that happens in football we've all missed penalties we've actually been in three penalty shootouts this season and a lot of people have missed penalties so we're just passing it around really um but she was fine and she's been absolutely superb for us this season so we're not going to hold a penalty against her. It's it happens, and you're brave enough to step up and take one. Then, as far as I'm concerned, it's that's you've done your job for the team. The lowest team left in the uh, in the competition was Cardiff Ladies. We had their captain Corey Williams on the other week, um, but it's Lewis who are through to the quarterfinals. They beat them by six goals to one. It's the first time that Lewis have reached the last eight of the FA Cup. Straightforward win in the end for the championship side. Ellie Mason take a bow. Four of those goals um, in what turned out to be the consolation for Cardiff, though. Love this story. Scored by Norway's Ingrid Ardland, whose family had travelled all the way over to the dripping pan. And it was a cracker as well. Check that out on their Twitter feed. It was an absolute beaut, Molly, wasn't it? Really good goal and I think this tie gave us a much needed bit of FA Cup magic because I know we've talked on this show before, it can be really difficult when you're a lower league club, the the gaps between the tiers are so big, I mean we see the gap between the top of the Women's Super League and the bottom is is really big as well, Um, so it's fantastic to see Lewis who were doing such great work at the dripping pan, to see them get the next round, obviously we'll see in a few moments where what kind of draw they get. Um, but, we, but we were talking off air and, you know, depending on who they get, they've they've got a decent chance of getting into the semi-finals. Yeah, they really have. Um, Manchester United, 5-0 winners over Durham. Uh, of course, leaders of the uh, of the WSL at the minute and um, it was a very straightforward win. Uh, could have proved a bit of a banana skin. Durham have been decent this season, but uh, United kept their cool. Having been frustrated for 42 minutes, floodgates opened, five goals scored. Five goals for Brighton as well, who certainly needed to to get on the score sheet after an indifferent season in the WSL so far. Beat Coventry United, bottom of the championship. A bit of a respite from their uh, WSL relegation battle. Brighton, uh, comfortable in the end. Not so comfortable if you're a Bristol City fan. 8-1 defeat to Manchester City, whose fine form continued. Uh, it was a bit of a dismantling in the end. Oh, Bunny Shaw, totally unstoppable in all competitions. Four in this victory. It feels as if she's just kind of matching Sam Kerr goal for goal at the moment. 21 goals in 20 appearances this season, Kate. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's very prolific, isn't it? Um, I think now that she's become their main striker as well, she's got the confidence to know that she's the person that they rely on for the goals. She scored all sorts of different goals as well. She's so strong. Her hold-up play's really good, but her movement's really intelligent in behind as well. And it's good to see her score a lot of different types of goals, um, but also the the deliveries that the Man City players are putting in the, into the box for her. She's so powerful. Um, and such a calm finisher. She's got great technique on her on her finishing as well. So she's um, yeah, she's been really prolific for them. I know that um, we're talking FA Cup, but 
in terms of the WSL golden boot? Who has it for you? Oh, that's really tough. Um, I think Sam Kerr might just edge it. I just think Chelsea have got another gear to go into and I think maybe she can help them get into that. I'm just watching on the one show Sam Kerr score her her goal and uh, your former teammate and friend Jilly Flaherty is is doing the draw uh, tonight which is going to be fascinating and that's the reason I'm kind of waffling on about (laughs) about that because I'm trying to delay as much as possible but you know what it's like when these draws get done. We do them here on Women's Football Weekly (laughs) and we do like to drag these things out. Um, Charlton nil, Birmingham 1, Ashley Hodson's solo goal 12 minutes it's into extra time securing the victory for Blues sending them into the quarterfinals and then Tottenham nil Reading nil Reading win 5-4 on penalties Lauren Wade scoring the decisive penalty after Keris Harrop had missed her spot kick in the shootout do you know what I'm going to do I'm going to break because I know for a fact they're going to take another four or five minutes to get to this draw and we will bring you it right at the top of the next part. This is uh, Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. You're listening to the thoughts of Kate Longhurst and Molly Hudson. I'm Faker Others. Uh, we'll find out that uh, draw coming. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Next. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder goal! The home for women's football. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. We are the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. Kate Longhurst and Molly Hudson are alongside me this evening. Uh, don't forget, I haven't actually reminded you today, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so just go ahead and download it today. The draw finally got made. It took us a little while. I'm very glad we didn't take it live because it would have been a very, very painful listen, I think. But here it is for you. Reading will play Chelsea. Aston Villa will face the holders, Manchester City. Lewis have a home tie against Manchester United at the dripping pan. And Birmingham will face Brighton. Your reaction, Kate Longhurst? Some tasty ties in there. I think Lewis getting Man United at home. 
Hopefully they get the biggest crowd they've ever had. That's a great tie for them. Fascinating. What did you make of it? What are you looking forward to, Molly? I think we, as we mentioned previously, like a bit of a shock. I think Birmingham City have, have got a decent chance against Brighton. We know they've been struggling a little bit in the Women's Super League this season. But I think feasibly all four of those away teams could progress if it goes to plan on paper. Mm, let us know on Twitter, uh, fans of the last eight, please. Are you happy with the draw? Can you progress? Who's winning the FA Cup this season? I'll tell you who won the Arnold Clark Cup in style in the end. It was England, as if uh, that was in doubt, bearing in mind the opposition, with no offence whatsoever to the three teams taking part in the Arnold Clark Cup, of course. Uh, 6-1 thrashing in the end of Belgium. If you missed live commentary here on TalkSport 2, here's a reminder of how it sounded. So it's England against Belgium, a straight shootout to see who will win the Arnold Clark Cup. England start the night as heavy favourites. Now James drifting in field and suddenly picking up the pace. It's a brilliant run into the penalty area, drives it in low and it's gone into the back of the net. Kelly may have got the final touch. Absolutely brilliant from Lauren James. England leads by two goals to nil now. It just gets better and better and better for Serena Beekman's side. I just don't know how anyone's ever going to beat us, genuinely, because when you watch the games, they always look in control all the time. As Chloe Kelly tucks in the third. For me, I think England are in the best form they've probably ever been in. And One goal from Beesman's 4-0 to England. Lucy Bronze! Five-star show for England. And it is an absolute stunner but has left Mary Earps grasping at thin air. Leah Williamson placed to perfection. They're going to lift the trophy and they're going to do it, having beaten Belgium by six goals to one. There's the drum roll and up it goes into the sky. The ticker tape up into the air. The England fans cheer. England have won the Arnold Clark Cup. It was a rout in the end and uh, Serena Wiegmann's side and her unbeaten run as England manager continue their fantastic form. Uh, she's looking forward to the World Cup this summer. Well, I, th- yeah, I think we're in a good place. I think uh, everyone is really, really committed and everyone is really competing for selection. And we don't have to ma- select now. Uh, we'll do that in five months. And, but everyone is, is, is challenging each other. Uh, and that gets get the best out of the team and get the best out of the individuals and that's really good for the team because that makes us improve uh, and and there's no one who can just let 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 something go let let some percentages go because uh, then it's gonna it's gonna harm you as an individual which is not in this team anyway because they're working really hard everyone's very committed uh, but it's it's very nice and yes I think we're in a good place now but you know there's still five months to go there could so many things can happen like now they go back to club. Uh, have some very um, good games to national in, in the Women's Super League, uh, FA Cup, well, then the Arnold Clark Cup final will come, but also international in the Champions League. So many games to come. Many games to come indeed. But what did Serena Wiegmann learn from the Arnold Clark Cup, Kate? I think it was a, a first opportunity really to see her second string 11 as well. She's actually made use of all the players in the squad. Um, I think it's shown that even when when they played Italy and and they equalised, they can come back again. And that is with players that maybe haven't had the confidence to play there before um, with with something to prove. She knows what her players will give her. Um, They can be emphatic. They can blow teams away when they are on top. 
I think it's just, it's good to be in the momentum of keep winning. Yeah. Uh, winning keeps winning, if, if, that makes, if that makes sense. That's me on three hours sleep trying yeah. to sound <laughs> very prophetic. Um, who impressed you the most, Molly? I think obviously Lauren James stands out. We we mentioned her earlier on. She 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 won player of the tournament in this one. I think she she just makes everything look quite scarily easy at times. But I think what probably impressed me the most wasn't an individual player. It, it was it was how calm England were after winning. I I did the first Arnold Clark Cup and nothing will quite beat Millie Bright winning the Golden Brute, sharing it with Alexia Pateas. But Obviously, that was seen as such a big moment for England, whereas this time it was like, yeah, and this is what we're supposed to do. Mm. We're winners. We're European Championship winners. It was different opposition. It was, but I think that's that's part of it. In in the past, we would have got overly excited about this. Mm. We don't need to anymore. We don't need to make grand statements about England and what they might do at the World Cup because Wiegmann's England do their talking on the pitch but she was also in that interview with Joe Shen and warning against complacency, which I also think is is really key. I don't feel as if there's any complacency in this team. I feel as if they are desperate to do the double effectively and, and win the World Cup as well as having won the, the Euros. But they have to be very careful with that. And actually coming up, Kate, in April, they have top opposition in terms of Brazil and Australia, which is going to be a sterner test. Yeah, I think... The World Cup, though, is another step up. So I don't think the players will become complacent because, yeah, you've won the Euros and you want to taste that again. But to do it on the world stage, that's really where they can make their mark and especially put their mark on history. Um, I also think it helps that we have got a strong squad. There's players that, you know, she's not frightened to drop people out of the team. And there's still players on the fringes, people like Beth England that have got something to prove. Nikita Paris has been dropped out of the squad. There's so many players that can still work their way in. So I think the ones that are in there now are not sitting back and thinking, oh, I've made it. They're, you know, they've got something to prove. I thought Katie Robinson did really well she and did. her chance. Jess Park, you know, there's so many players now for so many positions that I actually think that's the reason they won't get complacent because everyone wants a taste of it. Everyone saw the impact it had on the rest of the country. I'd want to be a part of that, you know. You you want to be part of a winning machine and, and hopefully that's what they're creating now. You could see when Jordan Nobbs came on in that game against Italy, you know, she was desperate to to impress for sure um, having been brought into the squad late because Frank Kirby pulled out because of course we are missing Frank Kirby who you would think would be nailed on for a spot to go to Australia if if she's fit would you bring you mentioned Bethany England and Nikita Paris there who else who didn't get called up to this squad would you bring in now for April Oh, that's difficult isn't it um, Gabby George might have had half a shout yeah I, I think with her, it can also depend on how Everton are doing. Um, I think she has had a good, solid season. Whether she's quite at the level that's required right now, um, but there's, there's, I still think there's positions where some people are not getting regular game time for their club that they could potentially drop out at the last second. People like Jess Carter, if she's not getting the game time, um, even the even though she's a fantastic player, but if she's not, can it open up a space for someone else? I think there will be a couple of players on the fringes, you know, even like Jordan Nobbs, who, like you said, wasn't um, picked in the original squad, whether she's still a question mark, she'll be really pushing for the second half of the season to try and get in that squad. So I, th I think it's open to probably about 40 players and it's up to them to, to earn their place.
and only 40 doesn't go into 23, no, does it? No. So 17 are going are gonna to miss out. Um, we also found out England's final group opponents at the Women's World Cup. Haiti beat Chile in the playoffs. What do we know about Haiti, Molly? Well, as Serena Beekman said in her, in her press conference after that, that last Arnold Clark Cup game, not a huge amount. Um, I think it's their, it's their first ever World Cup appearance. I think the, the big star player that we'll all want to watch that I'm really excited to see live Melchie de Mornay recently announced she'll be joining Lyon in the summer and we all know if you're going to be joining Lyon you're pretty good she's only 19 isn't she yeah 19 she scored twice in the 2-1 playoff victory over Chile that that got Haiti to this stage um yeah just just really highly rated all around Europe there was a lot of people that that really wanted her obviously Lyon have got her I think it'll be quite interesting for England because although they will be heavy favourites, they haven't really got a team they can play to prepare them for Haiti in the same way that obviously England played South Korea in this Arnold Clark Cup to prepare for China, which was a big part of playing them because they're also in our World Cup group. We don't really have that with Haiti and obviously we we, we didn't know we were playing them until um, until this week. So I think it'll be a little bit of unknown, but I think England will will look, they'll just back themselves at this point against pretty much anyone in the world. And actually, that's the only unknown that England have going into the Women's World Cup when actually so many of the other countries that they're going to be facing have a zillion unknowns at the moment because the international stage seems very fractious at the moment. There's a lot going on in France. We obviously brought you details of the conflict between Canada soccer and Canada's Olympic gold medal winning women's team last week. Now, more fractions in France, which we've spoken about on this show many times before. News came out the other day, though, that Wendy Renard, France captain, won't be playing at the 2023 World Cup to preserve her mental health, she said. She's come out and criticised her country's football system. Uh, since then, it really feels as if the dominoes have started falling as well. Marie Antoinette Katoto and Kadidite... I can never pronounce her name. You, you do it for me, um, Molly. Kadidite... I can't do it. I can't do it. Diani. Yeah, Diani. Diani. I'm so sorry. And I will just say to you, uh, lovely, lovely listeners who are always so kind to me, I have only had three hours sleep. And this is why I literally cannot put my teeth in my mouth today. Um, but Diani, another huge player for France, also uh, suspended their national team careers, citing issues with the environment on camp and the management, stuff we've heard before. And Molly, you've actually written an article today about France manager Karine Diacre, very divisive character what exactly is going on uh i think after all of this came out on friday as you say it, it did very much have the feeling of of kind of dominoes falling we know there's there's been unrest in in the french camp for for a number of years now really i think there's always been a feeling that they've underachieved with the the talent that they have massive massive talent in that squad um the French Football Federation released a statement to say that they'd be discussing all of this in an executive committee meeting tomorrow. As I understand it, and has also been reported in France, that it's expected Corinne Diacre will resign during slash after that committee meeting. I think at this point, from somebody that is, is not in France, doesn't have connections to France, I think it feels like the right thing to do to try and get the best out of those players. And I think from reading between the lines of those statements, which obviously have been translated, it very much suggests as though those three players are not turning their back on the national team. And if Diacra was to leave, 
I think they probably would come back and would like to play at the World Cup. So in that sense, in terms of purely getting the best possible players to play in the showpiece event in the summer, hopefully that will be the case if Diakva does indeed choose to resign. And obviously this is going on in Spain as well. Uh, by the way, Cada Diatu Diani. I can say it. I just couldn't say it then. Um, as a player though, Kate, you must have heard different versions of events. What, what's the word in the dressing room at the minute? Yeah, I mean, obviously there has been a lot of French unrest for quite a while. I don't think there's any secret in that. Um, but I, I do think it is actually quite divided on on people's opinions of, of the manager. Um and maybe within other players. I, I don't know all the ins and outs, and, and obviously it's quite a raw subject at the moment. Um, but, yeah, all's not well, and, and when that happens, something needs to change. So so whether the, the resignation comes, um, whether there's a force out, I don't know. Um, but I also think there's just a bit of unrest in camp, and, and maybe all the players aren't aren't all on the same page. And it was the narrative, wasn't it, Molly, going into the, the Euros, then we had what was going on with with, with Spain and, and their manager basically ostracising a load of their big players and, you know, they're going to end up going to the World Cup with a bunch of youngsters who've, who've never taken to the world stage before. So it's certainly going to be fascinating. And our managers here in, in England are now talking about it as well because obviously um, so many international players playing in the WSL. Chelsea manager Emma Hayes has expressed her sadness at the ongoing situation, obviously involves some of her players from France and Canada. Uh, this is what she's had to say. We've all got to do better around federations. We've got to do better to support the women's game because clearly, clearly we're not getting it right globally. I would say, but I think everything's so, everyone is so different that uh, I know for me, my job is, like, I just always want to keep raising the bar here. If Chelsea can be trendsetters or exemplary in everything we do, we're going to raise the bar, whether it's how to manage a pregnant player to, you know, dealing with whatever challenges come in the dressing room. So, yeah, it's sad to hear but one where, which is, just serves as a reminder of how much work we've still got to do. Always love an Emma Hayes bleep, insert your own. <laughs> um, uh, it, she makes a very serious point, though, and actually, Kay, you know, in England, we don't always do everything right. We're going to talk about some, some governance issues um, in a moment, but we're almost setting the standard, it, it, it feels. Um, and if England are starting to set the standard, then other countries perhaps are going to be shamed into into improving situations. What, what more do they need to do to protect female players globally? Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of unrest in a lot of camps at the moment, doesn't it? And um, it's not about players just demanding everything. And a lot of people always speculate and say, oh, it's about the pay, it's about equal pay. It goes far beyond that. It's about having the the safe standards within the federation. It's being treated like human beings at times. It's making sure that your space is respected. It's making sure that everything that you're doing is to a professional standard. Because if you want to compete with the best teams as well, you have to start with the basics of treating players like human beings and some federations are not doing that right now you know whether it's bullying or whether it's you know it, it can be a multitude of things and there's different problems going on with a lot of different federations but 
you've got to look at the the basics first for players to perform at their best. And if you're getting players not happy as human beings, you're not going to get them performing well on the pitch. And perhaps that's where we need FIFA and UEFA to be stepping in and actually doing something. But that is another issue. Uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers. You're just hearing the thoughts there of West Ham defender Kate Longhurst. Molly Hudson from The Times is with us as well. Uh, coming up, are WSL punishments proportionate? Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. With me, Faker Rothers, West Ham's Kate Longhurst and Molly Hudson from The Times. We are available on podcast as well. Do not forget, plenty of places you can download us. First, though, head to the TalkSport app. Uh, last week, it was announced that Tottenham's Evelina Summonen would serve a two-match ban for deception after the FA overturned Manchester United midfielder Ella Toon's red card for violent conduct. If you don't remember, where were you? (laughs) There was an altercation between the pair at the end of United's 2-1 win over Spurs in the WSL a couple of weeks ago. Looked as if Toon had pushed Simonon to the ground aggressively. United boss Mark Skinner had accused the Finn of play-acting and then an independent hearing subsequently found Simonon committed successful deception of an official. Here's what Spurs boss Rianne Skinner had to say. It's opened a can of worms. I'm not sure what we're advocating here. We were shocked, disappointed, and I'm unimpressed with the way the whole process has happened. I'm also slightly concerned for the example we're trying to set for the wider game and also for kids watching on. Tottenham did uh, try to appeal the charge, but they were unsuccessful. Um, And Rianne Skinner also raised the issue of the interpretation of violent conduct. Um, What have you made of all of this, Kate? Are the laws blurry or open for misinterpretation? I think it's quite harsh that she's been um, well she's got a ban because at what point do we start this and end this? You know there's been so many other cases of maybe not in the women's game but in the men's game where people are maybe making more out of something than Mm. what it is I understand that it's because of the red card but at the same time it's not as if Ella Toon didn't react she even came out and said on social media she shouldn't have reacted like that. So I, I, I kind of sympathise with Ryan Skinner because I just think at what point was this made um, to kind of say, if you do this, you know, she has been pushed, but yes, she has made the most of it. I don't want to see people just play acting and trying to get people sent mm. off. Of course, that's not what we want. Um, but I do think she's been a bit harshly done by they also lost her, didn't they, for the um, FA Cup tie. Yeah. Also WSL tie uh, next week. I think it's against Manchester City. Don't quote me on that um, off the top of my head. But is there a danger of them setting a precedent here, Molly? I think it's a difficult one because, as Kate said, it's it's very rare that this has happened in the men's or the women's game. And obviously there's less chance of that now in the men's game because of VAR. So we can go back and we can kind of stop this, nip it in the bud in the instant rather than this sort of reactive that we've had to do here because women's football doesn't have VAR which not that I suggest that we want it either um, but I think it's just it's a little bit difficult in terms of I've, I've read a few things about people sort of saying well we're, do, we're making this a precedent because we don't want this in the women's game I don't quite agree with that I think mm. you know let's just treat the women's game as football men's or women's we don't want it in any part of the game but I don't think it's unfair to punish someone an extra just because she's a woman I think that's a bit strange but anyway either way I completely agree with Kate and I think it's 
it's a little bit harsh. I think I would have been quite happy with Ella Toon's red card to be rescinded and, and that be it. And I think that would have been okay. Didn't need retrospective action, did it, necessarily? Um, they obviously have their reasons for, for, for doing that. But I'll tell you what it also raised for me, Kate, which I hadn't necessarily thought of before, which is remiss of me as a, as a journalist, but there's a question mark here about the length of bans. So Ella Toon was supposed to get three matches. Uh, that's in line with the Premier League and EFL. But the WSL play significantly less matches than the other leagues. So it's it's just not proportionate, is it? No, it's not. Um, but then also, I suppose it can depend on what you get sent off for. We can't then all of all of a sudden just go, yeah, you can hit someone and it's it's just a one match ban. Mm. Um, but like you say, maybe it is case by case in terms of not every red card that is a, just a reactionary push. Mm. There was obviously a little scuffle beforehand, so a three match ban seems quite severe for something that was a bit silly at the time, but. She's also not hurt her. She's not gone to hurt her. It's almost like just pushing her away of like, what have you done? I think it was that it looked like she'd gone for her throat. Yeah. And then someone and put her hands on her face. And you yeah, know, that's, I think that, that that's my interpretation of it anyway, because certainly I was in the press room at um, St. George's Park when the news came in that the Ella Toons card was being rescinded. And we were all a bit like, really? Yeah. Okay. We actually thought that was violent conduct. And Rianne Skinner makes a good point there. What is violent conduct in that? Yeah. In, in that case. And it does feel as if there's a blurred line and perhaps there needs to be a bar yeah um but it's just difficult isn't it because maybe if it wasn't ella toon maybe if it was someone else as well if it wasn't live on sky would it have got overturned people have raised this with me before how a sissoko for example has been sent off this season for for violent conduct and yeah you know that there there is a question to be had there yeah and of course you're not questioning that red card it was a red card but Mm. at the same time just because something's not on tv it can't get treated differently because it is then on TV. Because then are we only allowing the people that get to see it on TV? Are they? The, is that the only punishment we need to do because it's in the public eye? Mm. No, it should be consistent because we want players to be consistent in the league, no matter whether it's on FA player, it's not on FA player, it's not on Sky. It needs to be the exact same punishments throughout and not determining what player it is as well. Not that I'm saying it is mm. just because of that. But I do think that sometimes your reputation can kind of help you or go against you. Then that question wouldn't be asked. Yeah. Wouldn't be posed in the first place. It's a fascinating debate. I'm sure we'll have it uh, again. And we've run out of time to be able to talk about governance. And we will talk about that next week um, because obviously we had loads in last week's show about the the, the new co and the group that's been set up. And we now know um, after discussions with all 24 clubs in the WSL and Women's Championship, um, who's in that group, as you'd expect as well so some big hitters so we will go into that in more detail uh, next week I promise you but Kate it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for coming in thank you for having thank me thank you for not storming out twice <laughs> much appreciated Molly always a pleasure yes we'll see you next week thank you very much to Molly Hudson Kate Longhurst producer Will and of course all of you as ever for listening don't forget if you do miss any of the show live you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app or listen back throughout the week Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson, and me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd Fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of Howard Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here.